Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hour number two here. It's Boston Sports Original WEEI. Christian Arcan, Kyrie Thompson taking you up until 6 o'clock. We'll be joined momentarily here by Dan Orlovsky of ESPN. Um, we'll get his take on uh, everything that's going on here with the Patriots, the various quarterbacks uh, around uh, the league here, as there's a bit of a quarterback carousel going on, which I think is going to lead to some interesting Tom Brady news Oh yeah, um, at some point in uh, maybe the offseason. I don't, I don't know if anything's going to happen now because uh, that's still a team fighting for a playoff spot there. But uh, rumors from Florio about potentially teaming up with uh, Sean Payton going back to New Orleans. Sure seems like there's going to be a big quarterback vacancy in Vegas. There may be a long-term quarterback vacancy in Miami. And who knows where else? Uh, Washington, right? They just went back to uh, Wentz, so they're probably not going to be doing that yeah. too much longer. Uh, the Colts have no quarterback. Like there's, there's plenty of options here for uh, for Brady if he wants to if he wants to go through all that again. And hey, I mean the guy's single. You know, he's not not tied down anymore. He can go. He can go live yeah, wherever like he his, wants his, to. At this point, his kids know the deal. It's like, right. You're not going to see dad for like seven months out of the year that was one thing that i really uh enjoyed when he <laughs> when he retired said he wanted to spend more time with the kids and the family and then three weeks later he comes back nope. and it's like it's not even so much that he came back so quickly it's that tom you know your kids are all grown up like they don't want to hang out with you even though you're like a cool dad you're famous and everything like no one no 13 14 year old really wants to hang out with their dad so much that he has to retire from his job and be with them all the time like no i'll hang out with you once in a while dad but go play football <laughs> what, what was what was more likely that Tom Brady goes home, spends a bunch of time with his kids, and he's over here bouncing out the walls because there's no football, and Giselle's like, get out of here, or like, you know, get out of this house, or what have you, or he's getting tired of, uh, he's getting tired of being around the fam, or was it more likely that the kids were just like, dad, you know, you could just go play football again. We don't really need you around here. Yeah. Like, Dad, we're, we're all in high school. <laughs> this isn't, you don't need, it's not like we're little babies Man. and you got you to gotta be around to help us grow up. Like, no, we're cool. We're, we're all set. That's how, that's how I feel about my daughter, man. It's like she's going to turn three next month. And, and it's a lot like that where sometimes she'll, she'll want me to pick her up, carry her around the house, or just like, Daddy, come here. Mm-hmm. It's just like all the time. And then sometimes she'll be like, uh, Daddy, can you leave, please? <laughs> Daddy, like, beat it. That's rough. I know. Take off. Uh, my son at seven months, just turned eight months actually on yeah. Christmas Eve, uh, is still very into the idea of both mommy and dad. He hasn't he hasn't picked a favorite yet. Okay. I don't think. Um, we we both have different strengths. I'm definitely better at making him laugh. She's better at feeding him and you know dressing him and stuff like that. But I definitely got like the jokes. I got the I got the joke. There's no way she's gonna test me. Oh on yeah, that. no. I'm I'm definitely the I'm I'm the goofball. Yeah. See, see I'm the combination. I'm fun. I'm a combination of the fun dad, but I'm also majorly like I'm stubborn. 
So it's like she she wants to like you know mess around somewhere like nope. Let's go to bed. Mm-hmm. It's time to go. I'm not over here to play around with you. And and my wife's a little bit more indulgent some of the time. So I don't know. We have a we have a nice little mix. I would say. Yeah. Got to uh, got to have a nice balance there. Um, all right. Joining us right now on the Harbor One Hotline, it's Dan Orlovsky. He's brought to us by Northeast Electrical, where pros need pros at needco.com, and by Town Fair Tire. For the best prices on tires, nobody beats Town Fair Tires, and I mean nobody. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, I, for some reason, can't get him uh, potted up here. If someone wants to put him through, that would be terrific. Dan Orlovsky, how you doing, sir? Thanks for the time today. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, doing just fine. Let's go ahead and start with the uh, news of the day here in Miami, which obviously affects the Patriots too. Tua Tagovailoa um, diagnosed with another concussion. Uh, first of all, just your impressions of the way the Dolphins have handled all this, and uh, what does this mean for Tua's future and his career? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the Dolphins, it's, I think it's hard to find fault in it because of the new way that post what happened in their game versus Buffalo at home a couple months ago, you know, how the rules changed. And, you know, I guess to everyone's point or view that there was no visual symptom for Tua in the game. So I think it's hard to sit here and crush anybody over this because of the way the new rules are worded. Um, Super unfortunate for Tua, you know, but give him and Mike McDaniel a lot of credit that after it happened and he comes in and says, you know, I, I saw that Mike, you know, watched the tape and started asking Tua questions about his play, and he thought some of his answers were odd, and that's kind of what led to him seeing the doctor. So credit those guys for that. Uh, but it comes at a horrible time not only for Tua and his season and his future, but also the team and where they sit when it comes to their playoff push. And um, it, it's it's unfortunate because I think the world of the guy is, as a person and the player. Now, are, are we at a point now where we need to start talking about Tua's career and whether and how yeah. long he's got in this game? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we there's the reality. We were at that point when Tua left Alabama. I mean, I had conversations with people in the medical world, not me, and I know nothing that they said you get seven years out of Tua. That's what you're going to get because of the injuries that he suffered in college and mainly that hip one. So that was always a little bit of an asterisk or a, you know, a variable attached to Tua. And now third concussion in a matter of a short period of time, yeah, you're having, you know, and I, I said this this past week, and I didn't even know it was the concussion, but I said the fourth quarter has to give you a pause if you're the Dolphins organization because of how much of a collapse it was. Now you're talking, well, was that collapse associated with or because of another head injury? And here's the reality. And I think this is, like, candidly, this is going to have ramifications for Tua and his future. Does he want to keep playing football? Does his wife and his family want him to keep playing football? Do the Dolphins feel comfortable investing whatever amount of money for a quarterback that does have that? And, again, I hate saying that because I love the guy and the player. And the third thing, and this is a reality too, is I think it's going to impact organizations when it comes to the, the, the draft recruitment mm-hmm. of that position because we are treating, as we should, head injuries so um, – sensitive right now that are you going to draft a quarterback that 
is such a dynamic run threat when a shot to the head to him or a shot that looks like a head uh, to the head to him has way more impact on your football team than it does, oh, my wide receiver took a shot to the head. That's just the truth because the quarterback, obviously, every single play of his performance matters. We're talking with Dan Orlovsky here on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, Dan, the Patriots, I know that game was four days ago, but I saw you tweeting about the first two uh, plays on third down, and those were the first two pass attempts that Mac had in the in the game because it was run, run, pass yeah. both times. And uh, they were both really brutal to watch. Um, those are the plays that they rehearse, right? I mean, these are walkthrough plays that we're talking about here, and they looked about as, as uh, bungled as I've ever seen. I mean, we're really far into the season for a team to start off on offense like that, aren't we? It's awful. It, it's unacceptable. It's a complete... It's a complete um, kind of negative connotation or negative vantage point for everybody associated with that offense. So everybody knows how the game week goes preparation wise on Wednesdays. Most teams put in like what their base game plan is going to be. And then they'll start to maybe get ahead a little bit of third down red zone. And on Thursday, most teams put in that third down and red zone package. They're very specific. They're very game plan oriented they're very, hey, guys, the difference of the game isn't going to be this first and 10 call in the second quarter, but it's going to be this third down call that's third and three or third and four. So a lot of times you really focus in on those situational football calls, game plan-wise, the red zone and the third down. So for that third down, which should be something you get, you emphasize everything, right? But a lot of the, you, you don't ha- spend a ton of time in the week calling your base first and 10 play in practice because you should have banked thousands of reps on that stuff. But those third down calls are the ones you sit there and go, when can we call that again in practice versus this look and give give our quarterback, give our players all those different looks. So the fact that those two first third down plays look the way they look, that tells me, well, there must have been either a lack of practice time with them, a lack of different looks that you practiced against, a lack of preparation or a lot of lack of understanding of everybody's roles. Do they ask questions about what, I mean, it's just, it was, it it looks awful. The quarterback gets the blame. It's another kind of series of plays when you sit there and go, this is an abject disaster from top to bottom. Well, you know what, Dan, I've watched that team all throughout training camp and I can tell you the same things that they are struggling with right now are the same things that they were struggling with back then. It has been absolutely maddening to continue to watch them continually messing up the same things. Now, with Mac Jones, I mean, obviously it wasn't all perfect from just an offensive execution standpoint and, and some of the throws that he had, but what did you see from him in the second half did you see him start to settle down and prove that he can outplay some of that? Mac is so difficult to talk about right now. You know, like, I'm just looking at my notes, guys, <laughs> from this game. Um, Q, QB made some really nice long throws in the second half. First quarter, awful offense. First quarter, awful offense. Second quarter, I asked, why didn't he throw a post on a deep crosser? Mm, Third yep. quarter, Thornton drops a big, deep ball. Fourth quarter, awful offensive plan. Fourth quarter, awful offensive plan. So it's really hard. And and everyone knows, I think, highly of Mac. Um, I just think it's really hard to evaluate or gauge 
what did Mac do well this year? What didn't he do well? Is he a good player? Is he, I believe he's a very good player, and I believe he could be a quarterback that you win a lot of games with in this league. Um, but it's so hard to give a fair assessment on what he has been put in this year and not think, my goodness, it's because of all the pieces around him have been such a disaster. Real, real quick, you mentioned why didn't he throw the post on uh, on, on a deep cross. Are you talking about the, the play action where uh, yeah. I think it was Tyquan Thornton went deep and he threw it to Myers and he was a little late on the throw? So what are you seeing yeah. on that play from your vantage point? Yeah, I mean, so that that's a traditional football concept where you're you got a big post and a deep cross and it's versus middle field closed defense. So there's right. one safety in the middle field. And the read often is, what does that safety do? Stay back, throw the crosser down to a check down. If he gets aggressive, you want to launch that post at about 40 to 44 yards down the hash. you got to see the backside corner. That's football, 201, 301 stuff. But um, it looked like Mac just had kind of canceled out the post pre-snap. I'm not throwing it no matter what because the safety – drives the crosser. That ball should get thrown to the post. And um, without being in that meeting room, if I was in that meeting room, the first question I would ask Matt is, what did you see? And why didn't you throw the post? And because he's the guy out there, you know, calling the shots, pulling the trigger, seeing it. So I'd want to hear from him why he didn't throw that post. My um, experienced guess is he was never throwing that post. Yeah, that's what it seems like because it feels like they use Tyquan Thornton a lot on just go run down the field and clear things off. Yeah, it, it, that ball should get thrown. Um, Dan, what would you think of Mac Jones's hit on Eli Apple? It's obviously getting a lot of attention, and he's starting to get a reputation here. Do you think it's deserved? Um, I mean, perception is reality, you know, and, and I don't know Mac, um, but you can't constantly have plays that look a certain way and think that people are not going to start to um, form an opinion on what type of person and or player you are in those moments. Um, I like that Mac lives on the edge. He has to, to be successful. He has to be one of those ultra competitive guys. Um, I can't judge his character and I can't judge his intent, but I can tell you that, you know, you have to be aware of what how some things look. And um, if you're okay with it or you don't care, then that's fine. But if, if that's an important thing to you, of what people think about you as a person when it comes to that stuff, then he gets something that he's going to have to start paying attention a little to a, a little bit more to for sure. All right. Uh, before we let you go here, Dan, obviously we just heard the breaking news about uh, Jared Stidham now being the starter, Derek Carr getting benched out there in Las Vegas. Do you think that that's going to clear up some space for Tom Brady to make a move in the off season? Do you see this as the beginning of a, uh, another quarterback carousel? Yeah, there's going to be some, some solid names out there. You know, I'm, I'm shocked by the Raiders because mathematically they're still in this. Right. To, to bench him is crazy to me, and I believe it's the start of moving on from him. Um, and if you're a team like the New York Jets, you're like, thank God, please, because that's the guy that you should go get if you're the Jets. Yeah, I think Brady could be on the uh, – you know, because I, I don't think if Brady plays, he stays in Tampa. So Brady could be on the market. Derek Carr – I mean, Derek Carr, since he's coming to the NFL, has had the 32nd ranked defense. He's had the worst defense in football since he was a Raider. He's never had a defense that was in the top 20 in the NFL. So 
you're talking about a dude that you could win a ton of games with. Obviously, Tom can play at a high level still. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's going to be some teams sitting there going, there's some good players available that we can, you know, kind of plug and play at that most important position. All right. We'll leave it right there then. Dan Orlovsky, great to talk with you. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Dan Orlovsky at ESPN uh, joining us here on WEEI. We're going to take a quick break. we got our trending coming up with uh, Turpin back there. And when we come back, we'll talk a little Red Sox. Red Sox in the news today. One pitcher out, another pitcher in. Uh, We'll get to all of that next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Nathan Evaldi after a scoreless 11 put up by Heath Hembry. 3-2. Struck him out. 1-0-1. Here's Barnes now. Popping up into right. Luki Betts is there. And this game is going to the 14th inning. Fought it off. Little fly ball into right. Luki Betts is there. Leading two games to none. Here's a 3-2. Struck him out. Here's a 2-2. Got him on the inside corner. 0-2. Struck him out. Evaldi gets through another scoreless inning. Couldn't get another hit. A strikeout. Knight! Knight! Goosebump there. A little goosebump from that. Last time the Red Sox were good. That's not true. They were in the ALCS a couple years ago. But last time they won one, and they couldn't have done it without Nathan Evaldi, one of the only Red Sox in the modern era, pre two thousand or uh, post two thousand and four, who's most who's a champion and who you know has all the hardware and the resume and everything to prove it. But one of the only guys post oh four, post them breaking the curse, who's most known for the one game he's most known for was a loss. And it's in a positive way. 
Yeah. That's so rare, isn't it? I mean, it's really, really rare to to look at like, and I'm not calling Nathan Evaldi some sort of Red Sox legend or anything like that, although I think if this happened and uh, was the first championship, then they'd be naming high schools after the guy. I saw someone wrote that somewhere. It's true. If uh, <laughs> if this was 2004 and Nathan Evaldi had done all that to win them their first World Series uh, to break the curse, then yes, there would be Nathan Evaldi high schools. Kids would be named Nathan. Dogs would be named Evaldi. Like, he would have yeah. been, been a legend around here. And honestly, he should never pay for a drink in Boston ever again because uh, not only that game five in uh, 2021 that uh, not game five the uh, Yankee playing game um, uh, in the wild card there he was great in that Shut one it. too they took him out I think too early in that game but he strike, struck out eight uh, hitters in five innings uh, was tremendous there but really I don't know it's it's rare to uh, it's rare to see someone put up an effort like he did in game three of that uh, of that World Series which was one of the all-time great games too and, and you know what I, I just think generally Right, I think when he came here, people were kind of like, okay, what's this dude supposed to do? Mm. And even earlier on in his tenure, I, I remember you know, talking to people uh, you know, at, at a, you know, old jobs and stuff like that, you know, who are kind of tangentially into baseball and just kind of like, yeah, like, got to see it. I'm not so sure about this Evaldi guy. And just he, he just got better. He just got better every year he was here. And he, he became basically the, the ace of this staff with, with Chris Sale just not being Chris Sale. Right anymore right or, or just not being available and he would just go out there and <laughs> it's just like you you needed you needed somebody to just go eat some innings for you you know or, or if you wanted anybody to pitch a big game for you it, it was going to be that guy and more often than not he wasn't going to let you down yeah and, and I think that there's just something to be said for watching him. like I mean I, I remember um, you know, in that 2021 season when I was actually doing some Red Sox coverage back then. So I, I was going to a bunch of games. It seems like I was always going to a Nathan Navaldi start. <laughs> really? It, it just ended up being that way. And, you know, they'd get on a, on a losing streak. They have a tough couple of games. And then it's Nathan Navaldi time, and he goes out and he throws seven and, and a third and just, like, no runs. And he would just, he would just shut it down. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he was really fun to watch, too. Threw about 102 miles an hour. Uh, you know, his strikeouts were, he'd like punctuate his strikeouts. He wasn't Pedro Martinez or anything. I mean, he really only he had, had the juice. one pitch that worked, but uh, when he dialed it up, uh, the guys couldn't touch him. And then this year, I mean, unfortunately this year he got touched up plenty. I think he led the league in home runs allowed. And uh, that's sort of the yeah. problem when you have a guy who throws pretty straight like that, but throws really hard. Guys can get around on uh, just about anything. And if they yep. know the fastball is coming, they saw it coming from Evaldi. Here's the thing though. At 32 years old, I would have rolled the dice on a few more years of Evaldi as opposed to going out and signing a Corey Kluber who's 36 and uh, who had a mediocre year last year with Tampa Bay and was basically out the entire two seasons before that. Now, I understand Evaldi's injury risk, too. Uh, 2020, he barely played. Uh, Fine. And last year, he missed two months and still gave up all those home runs. Maybe he's not trending in the right direction, but he's definitely worth keeping around. I don't know. I I feel like the Red Sox are really banking a lot on these young pitchers who were relief pitchers and we're not really sure what kind of what kind of starters they're going to be, and I just think that's a risky thing to do when you have a guy like Evaldi, who's a proven workhorse and who still has pretty good stuff. I mean, he wasn't getting people out the same rate, but he still throws really hard, and when he's right, he's still pretty good. I think those two months he missed probably messed him up, and uh, is the reason why his numbers, even though they're not that bad, a three eight seven ERA in a season where you missed all that time, not terrible. Uh, but yeah, they they decided to uh, move on. He's now a Texas Ranger, and the Rangers now they're building something with that rotation well i mean you, you think about this too right it's not just the young picture the young pitchers that that they're sort of banking on mm. it's also these older pitchers that you know maybe you've only got them for for one year i mean obviously you're still committed to chris sale 
right? So you you still right. you're you're still not sure when you're getting out of that. If you want to get out of that just yet, what have you? But then you're you're talking about okay, is this going to be the year we finally get James Paxton? Right? Are we going to get anything out of him? Can mm-hmm. we even can we even count on anything from him? Or you know the, the Michael Walker signing from last year. You know right. what? Take a one year flyer on a guy, see what he's gotten. He was pretty pretty good. He was. You know, absolutely. And so this feels like another one of those where, hey, you know, he's Corey Kluber's not the same pitcher he was. He doesn't have the same amount of juice. I mean, he's. I, I think that he's kind of started getting by a little bit more on on guile than he did earlier in in his career when he just had that utterly overpowering slider. Just nobody could touch that thing. Yeah. And and I feel like. The the stuff, I mean, it's still fine, but it's not what it used to be. But okay, if we could if we could discover another year in which, like, okay, you know, j- just keep on, you know, learning how knowing how to pitch, right? Just just another year of like, okay, maybe we can get a good year out of you, and you can provide some depth, and we could use basically six starters or what have you, get or have it just an honest five man rotation, yeah. and then you know, if if some of these young guys aren't panning out the way we want to, if Bayo's struggling. Or, you know, Whitlock needs needs a blow. Or maybe if we want Whitlock as our closer or, like, back in the bullpen, like if Kenley Jansen's not working, just there are options. I feel like that's what it is. There yeah. are options. There certainly are options. The Red Sox are only signing old guys. You notice that? <laughs> yes. Corey yes, Kluber is going to be 37 when the season starts. Chris Martin, not from Coldplay, the pitcher that they signed, or I guess they traded for, will be 37 in June. Justin Turner is 38. Yep. And Kenley Jansen is 35. Experience, uh, baby. Kenley Jansen, who Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run off of in that game three that I was just talking about uh, against the Dodgers, one of uh, Jackie Bradley's big moments in that playoff, um, and who's now a Boston Red Sox. I think, uh, you know, you can go short term. They did this in 2013. They signed Victorino and Mike Napoli and, you know, old guy, David Roth. Like, they brought in these older guys, but they had a roster then that was pretty stacked around it. And now I think they have a roster that's been stripped down pretty dramatically and outside of Rafael Devers it's just you know these these bargain basement players and now these sort of older guys who are here on like a short-term deal like I, I just I hate the roster I hate what it looks like yeah well I think that you got you almost wonder what the point of it is mm. right and I think that this this feels like a team in which they are hoping that eventually you know, maybe maybe Cassis comes up and he's really good, right? Yeah. Or you know, some some of these young guys, or you know, Bayo comes in and he's awesome, or, or so, something like that. Bayo, yeah, and, I, and, I forgot and, about Bayo. And, and you're kind, and you're kind yeah. of playing out the string until maybe you get Marcelo Mayer up and maybe he's a star, mm-hmm. right? So I, I feel like a lot of it is just okay. Look, do we are we really thinking we're going to compete this year? And and maybe it's let's go ahead and sign some of these these veterans, these experienced guys, going to know their way around, and maybe we catch lightning in a bottle this year. Maybe it turns out better than than we think, a la 2021. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, now we're playing with house money again. But th- this just isn't a team right now that, that looks like it's anywhere near a World Series. Yeah. And I also wonder if it's a team that players don't want to play on. You know, players aren't really into this idea of, you know, cutting money, not paying your superstar homegrown talent, not paying anybody. Uh, except Chris Sale for some reason, but I guess that was a Dombrowski thing, so that doesn't really count with this uh, and, current and, high And now they're overcorrecting. Yeah. Well, right. are they? I mean, like, 
overcorrecting, I feel like, would be signing a player who's not that great to a big, long contract. What they're doing is they're just signing old guys to short-term contracts. I'm not sure if that's overcorrecting. I feel like it's more, well, you know, I, I was thinking it's like most, putting spackle on the problem, I, I was mostly thinking about it in terms of overcorrecting by just being like, okay, well, now we're not going to pay anybody long-term. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. That, that, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Overcorrecting but, but yeah, the money, yeah. It, no, exactly. That's it. And, and it feels to me like this is a, okay, like, let, let's just, if we win, awesome. And we make the playoffs, great, you know, that that's how we planned it all along. And we really thought these guys could come in and have an impact and do good things for our club. If they lose, uh, you know, we, we would love to win more. But, you know, the, the long-term plan hasn't come to fruition yet. Because that's what 2021 and 2022 felt like to me. Where 2021, they they probably weren't looking at that season like they were going to win. Right. And they started off so hot. That it was like, well, you kind of have to do something now. It's like you grit your teeth, you go out, you trade for a Kyle Schwarber, and then you make the playoffs. Then you have this surprising run. But the fact that they didn't immediately go like, you know what, we're doubling down and we're going to go for it 2022 tells me it was never in the plan for them to be competitive this soon. Yeah. And they're not acting like it now. They're not. They're definitely not. They're not acting like a team that's trying to go out there and and build something. They look like a team that's just trying to patch things together. And if you look back to last year's trade deadline, they made a couple of moves. It's not like they didn't do anything. I don't love the moves that they made, but they did, you know, trade for uh, the outfielder there, Tommy Pham. They traded for uh, Hosmer like they... They made moves. They brought in players, and I just sort of wonder, like, what's more spackle? What's the point of that? Yeah, like, why, why even give up anything of if you're just going to do this and, and spackle everything the next off season? Why were you, why were you even bothering at the trade deadline? Um, you know, it certainly wasn't to keep guys like Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers happy. Those guys were laughing their ass off when they asked them, uh, at the All Star break when they asked them about the team <laughs> and uh, you know the sort of respect that they're getting. They were, they were laughing. They were openly laughing at the Red Sox and in uh, management. And if you think that Rafael Devers isn't going to follow. Xander Bogarts right out that door, you're nuts. There's, There's a, there no a, way. There is a much better chance that Rafael Devers is not with the Red Sox in two years than there is that, that he'll be here long term. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Um, Corey Kluber, you have any thoughts on him in the uh, rotation? I mean, again, I think that he's maybe that's a Michael Walker kind of deal where he's just a guy who knows how to pitch. He's not as dominate, you know, as dominating, overpowering as he used to be. But you know, he can come in, probably give you you know so a, a couple flashes of what Corey Kluber used to be circa 2016, come out and, and have a couple of good games. But I don't think he's going to throw like 200 innings or anything like that. Right. He's not going to have that kind of year. And, and you probably are going to have a couple of starts where he's – not he's not available for you, and then you got to see what these young guys are about and if they can fill in the gaps. Yeah, Corey Kluber, I just sort of feel like it's another you know piece of patchwork. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's one year deal, and hopefully deal. he can do something. I know he was ten and ten with I don't know what his ERA was last year. Something in the fours. It was uh, four thirty four. Four thirty four. His, his fielder independent pitching was better, which suggests that. Maybe he got let down a little bit, yeah. but still, he's still not like old school Corey Kluber. One year deal, ten million dollars, innings eater. That's that's what you're getting. What upsets me the most about the Red Sox and their entire offseason is that coming into this offseason, it seemed like they were going to have a lot of money to spend. It seemed like they had all these prospects that they could maybe deal if they wanted to make a big trade. It seemed like they had all this kind of flexibility, and instead of using it to re-sign Xander Bogarts or go out and you know bid on uh, bid seriously on someone like uh, the first baseman on the White Sox now, Jose who, Abreu, Jose my Abreu, guy. who went to Houston, my who I love, by the way. Yes. I would have loved the Red Sox to pick him up. Instead, that, he goes to a real team. That would have been that would have been a heck of a signing. Would have been I great for them. It. I would have loved it because Abreu is just a consummate professional the guy just hits man it's just it's as simple as that i mean yeah there will be slums every once in a while 
But you know you can never keep that man down. Yeah. And he's uh, great for he's great for your clubhouse. Too. I heard that too. I think that would have been a tremendous signing and the Red Sox should have been much more aggressive about it. But I think they sort of felt like, hey, we're the Red Sox. We'll make an offer. They'll come walking in. No, no, no. They're, these players are going to real teams. Yeah, no, see, that's the funny thing, right? Anytime the Red Sox are like, oh, yeah, like we're the, the Red Sox are really interested in, in X player, right? We, we hear those reports all around the league. I'm like, well, he ain't coming here then. Right. They also I mean, had a first baseman that the Padres were paying for you and Eric Hosmer, and you DFA'd him. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't paying him anything. That's you a, just got rid of him. That's a pretty nice uh, trade there. You know, you trade for a guy who you get for free, and then you decide to DFA him. But that was he also, wasn't, yeah, because he, he wasn't doing anything. It was right. like 14 games, and he got hurt, and then he, but they weren't paying the guy. He was yeah. there for free, yeah. and you just DFA'd him. Keep him around to, you know, to play pepper with the guys. Well, mentor Cassis, you know? do something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, especially since, like, what are you doing at first base? Like, I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck still? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I guess we are assuming or hoping that Cassis is going to immediately be the guy, but if he's not, I don't I don't need to see more Bobby Dahlbeck. Please, no. Yeah. Please, God. What about Franchi Cordero? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Is he even still on the team? He signed with the Orioles. Oh, oh yeah, that's God. right. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, so now we don't have to watch him just <laughs> literally not be able to play baseball. I heard rumors that they might move Justin Turner because you expect like a 40-year-old to play third base. Uh, good point. Good point, and there's already Rafael Devers playing third base. Um, yeah, yeah, you never know. I feel like Turner was probably going to be the new DH now that uh, JD's gone, but who knows? Who knows what they're planning? I really don't know. It seems like they're just sort of slapping this together. It doesn't seem like there was any kind of real plan. It just is more of this bargain basement crap. And I thought, I really thought that with the money and the flexibility and the prospects and all that coming into this offseason, we were going to see something else. We were going to see Hyam Bloom at least attempt something else. I know he's attempted big contracts like Trevor Story last year, and, you know, it didn't go great, but whatever. I just thought that this was going to be when we see, all right, um, I've been I've been playing possum here. I've been signing all these guys just so we could get to this moment and I could finally show you what kind of GM I really am. And no. it turns out Hyam Bloom is just, you know, the same guy we thought he was. No, no, I think, I think he's seriously just, um, you know, Get, get the farm system up, get your homegrown kids, and until then, we ain't doing jack. Yeah. And when they We're start hitting, interested. let them walk in free agency. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Basically. Um, 617-779-7937, that's the phone number. One other quick Red Sox piece of uh, of uh, news here today. Um, do you see this David Ortiz story? You see the David Ortiz no. news? No, what's up? A Dominican court has convicted 10 people out of 13 uh, who have been accused in the attempted murder of David Ortiz. Mm. Um Ten people were convicted. Only two people rode up on the bike. So, like, there was one guy riding the bike, and the other guy jumped off the bike and shot David Ortiz. Was, so, so apparently there was just, like, there was a whole mob. There a was whole, a whole crew, yes. Um, a, a whole racketeering base, you know, like, dedicated to killing David Ortiz. Yeah, the two guys on the bike, the driver and the shooter, both got 30 years. Eight other defendants received sentences between five and 20 years in prison, and the alleged mastermind of the attack, this guy Victor Hugo Gomez-Vasquez, is uh, one of three defendants who were acquitted due to insufficient evidence. Um, I can't believe that this is still part of the story, but Dominican authorities have said the target was meant to be David Fernandez, 6'2 David Fernandez, who was Ortiz's friend and was sharing a table at a bar with Ortiz when he was shot. If that's true, then these are the worst hitmen of all time because that guy looks nothing like David Ortiz. And the idea that David Ortiz, maybe the most famous Dominican person in the history of the Dominican Republic, uh, would be misidentified by two hitmen g- coming to shoot somebody else is the most laughable thing Look, I've ever heard. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, okay? Having having been the butt of these kind of jokes, I'm over here looking at like, how do the brown people act like all brown people look alike? <laughs> Come on, y'all. 
it's like, it's like what, they, what did they think? It was the David Ortiz lookalike guy who strolls around Fenway Park on opening day every day? Like, it wasn't even, probably wasn't even that dude. This guy, 6'2", Fernandez, looks more like you than David Ortiz. <laughs> like, he looks more like me than David Ortiz. You also have 13 people on this master class plan. How do you misidentify the guy? You didn't, have, you didn't have pictures of that guy stapled to your car, your motorcycle when you were rolling up? Hey, make sure you get this dude. Um, the Dominican police are sticking with their story. Now, you remember Ed Davis, who was the chief of police, or he was something uh, when uh, the marathon bombing happened. Do you remember that? Uh, the big guy. I believe he was Davis, the chief of police. Yeah, the chief of police, yes. I think he was. Um, he is a private, he does like security now. Uh, he's a private security firm, and they investigated this, and he said, no, no, no. That guy knew who he was shooting. <laughs> he was aiming for David Ortiz, and he shot David Ortiz. He was trying to shoot David Ortiz, not the guy that was sitting there at the table. But the Dominican police are sticking by their story. So I guess, uh, I guess, good for them for being consistent. It's ridiculous, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, the full sentences will be read on February eighth, twenty twenty three. But yeah, ten people uh, convicted here. Thirteen of them were were charged, and three of them, including the mastermind, uh, have uh, have beaten the case. But the two guys on the bike, thirty years each. Uh, for shooting David Ortiz. 617-779-7937. That's the phone number. When we come back, we're going to talk some Hall of Fame. we got Hall of Fame ballots. We're going to fill them out right on the air. It's coming up next. Dive deep to left. Way back. Forget about it. Three-run homer. Manny Ramirez with his first swing at Fenway Park as a member of the Red Sox has tied the game. Manny, Manny, happy returns. A line shot over the scoreboard, high into the net. That was nice. Oh, this little Manny Ramirez, uh, 2001 Manny Ramirez, I believe, right? Was that his first? Uh, that was, yeah, 2001. That was his first at-bat at first Fenway. First at-bat at Fenway. Right. He hit a, hit a tater. And that was Joe Castiglione, and I believe Jerry Truppiano on the call. Uh Name I haven't heard in a while. I've heard to Stiggs, obviously. I haven't heard Troops in a while. Um, anyways, that was from uh, 2001. Why we play that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot is out. And uh, some people, some uh, local writers have actually already filled it out. Uh, we're going to do just that right now. We're going to look over this uh, this ballot. we got some first-timers on here that we will debate the merits of because no one's more qualified than we are to talk oh, about totally. this. Oh, totally, yeah. And uh, we'll uh, let you know what we think about the 2023 Baseball Hall of Fame class. Now, let's go ahead and start with guys who got percentages of the vote last year. Um, everybody who was on, it was not a first-timer, basically. Uh, we got Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, A-Rod, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, whose highlight you just heard right there, and uh, then it's Omar Vizquel, Andy Pettit, Jimmy Rollins, Bobby Abreu, Mark Burley, and Torrey Hunter. Everybody else is a first-timer. Um, the person who got the most percentage of the vote last year out of the ones I just read was Scott Rowland at 63%, which I'm surprised by. Uh, after that is Todd Helton, then Billy Wagner, number three. Um, all the way down at uh, 29% is Manny Ramirez. A-Rod clocked in at 34.3%. Out of all those guys who are not first-timers, um, who do you think you would uh, you would uh, write in for this year? So, I mean, it feels like Scott... Scott Rowland is so interesting because I feel like and he was such a he was a really good player. Rowland was a good player, yeah. He was a really good player. Best third baseman probably in the league for a few years. Yeah. And Chipper Jones, yeah. But I, I guess I'm just kind of like, is he really a Hall of Famer or is he just Hall of really, really good? Hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it seems like he's, particularly on this list, there are a lot of, you know, 
questionable characters on here. So I, I feel like he's probably your safe vote if you want to go ahead and, and do a baseball purist one. He was really, really good for a long time, and we don't think he did PED. Never got in any steroid lists. Yeah. Not one. Wasn't in the Mitchell report. Wasn't in any reports. Yeah, so. I mean, I like Todd Helton and Billy Wagner. Helton I, has better numbers yeah. than Roland, yeah. but he also played in Colorado. So Right. Yeah. I like Andrew Jones. I feel like one of the best defensive center fielders that like of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy was really, really good. Played on some really, really good Braves teams. And, and hit more home runs than Todd Helton and Scott Rowland. Yeah, we have 400-something. 434, yeah. Yeah, 434, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like that. Gary Sheffield, probably the best hitter. What are, would you say he's the best hitter out of all of the ones that, that, we, that we've uh, talked Better about? Better than A-Rod so and Manny, now, I'd say A-Rod no, 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 I was talking about the ones so far. Yes, out of, yes, out of the ones so far, yes. Out of the ones so far, I'd say yeah. Gary Gary Sheffield is the best hitter out of all of them. Mm-hmm. I gotta be honest, I'm 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 voting A Rod. I'm voting Manny. I am doing that. I'm I think those it. are my only two. I don't think Kent's got it for me. I don't think Rowan nope. and Helton. Billy Wagner, I don't think was ever re- I don't I'm surprised he got fifty one percent last he's, year. He, again, he's another one who's really good. He's fine, but do I, I feel he like he was a tier below the Hall of Fame yes. closers of his era. Yes. I and, and I and I feel like part of the reason that those guys got as many votes as they have is because they are the clean, attractive options. Right. But if you're talking about who actually belongs in there, to to me, it, it's it's A-Rod and Manny. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, they, they, they did PEDs. I get it. I don't care. I don't really care. I've got to be I'm, – I'm getting to that point with the performance-enhancing drugs where obviously, for, first of all, not great that you lied about it, Particularly if you're talking about A Rod, mm-hmm. you're talking about like you know Raphael. A Rod lied about it over and yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like, lie to Congress though. Yeah, <laughs> at least he didn't do that. Yeah, exactly. I did not take steroids. Like Raphael Period. Palmero. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. His name <laughs> I kind of Martin mud, mud, yeah. muttered under my breath right there. Yeah, exactly. So Raphael so I, Palmero pointed and yeah, I have I, never not, done. I have never listen taken to steroids. me, Congressman. That Period. was great. Oh yeah, yeah, hubris but, right there. But but in terms of just the best players, like come on, to me, like the idea that Manny's not in, like like just in terms of. Um, you know, being a good player and like you want to talk about his antics and, and the PEDs and all this. Dude, that guy was just really good. Mm. He was just a really good hitter. Okay. A-Rod's one of the best players that's ever played. Yeah. So it, him and Barry Bonds are kind of the same deal to me where it's like Bonds is in for me, too. You, you, you could you yeah. could talk about you know, the PEDs and you disgrace the, you know, the, the game and, you know, the integrity of the game and all that. Man, you got all you got a ton of drugged out people in the. You got, you got drugged out people from you know the the sixties and seventies. Oh, taking 80s the greenies in, in and the stuff. Hall. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Amphetamines. You got racists in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Like, you want me to be mad about him taking some steroids? Not really. And unless no pitchers were taking it, which we know that they were, again, like, who am I feeling bad for? Who's really like? Who's really getting cheated if they're all doing it? Which they all were. Um, here's the first timers. Uh, you want to go ahead and put an here. asterisk on the whole era? Then, then fine. You'd be like, this is the steroid era. Boom, 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 boom. You know, yeah, like we put these guys in, take it with a grain of salt, but they should still be in. Yeah, and also if you're going to do that, then you have to have something for like the segregation era and the other eras of the sport that aren't really all yeah, that Yeah, Ty, uh, Ty Cobb, Hall of Famer, racist and terrible person. Yeah, and not the only one either. Um, here's the first timers. Uh, let's go just simple yes or no, Hall of Fame. Uh, Carlos Beltran. No. No on Carlos Beltran. I think I'm a no on him, too. But really? though, when okay. you get through the rest of this list, you might be a yes on him at the end. Yeah. Um, Beltran. John Lackey. Eh. No on Lackey. Jared Weaver. No. <laughs> Jacoby Ellsbury. No. Matt Cain. No. This sucks, man. God, this is a terrible list. Johnny with an H uh, before the O, Peralta. 
I can't tell which one of them it is, so no. No. Uh, Jason Worth, no. J.J. Hardy, no. Mike Napoli is in my Hall of Fame, but not the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, Bronson Arroyo on the ballot for the first time. <laughs> okay. R.A. Dickey, uh, no. K-Rod, uh, K-Rod, closer. K-Rod, you know Francisco what? Rodriguez. Uh, okay. He has the all-time saves lead in a season, I think. Is that right? Is he the all-time single-season saves leader? I want to say he had like 60 in like 2008. Okay. And that was more than uh, than Ganya. Saves record. I think you're right. I think you're right there, Joe. I'm, I'm gonna have to look that up. But but K Rod, he was he was nice. K Rod was I I mean he wasn't great his entire career, but in his prime he was as yeah, good of a closer save, as he's ever been. Most saves in a season. K Rod is the only player in history with 60 saves in a season. He okay. had 62 in 2008. If Wagner's not going in, can you put in K Rod? I don't really think Wagner was even like that, to be honest with no? you. No. So I, I I feel like yeah I'd put I'd put K Rod in a okay and then Wagner's the, uh... just not re- he's just not memorable <laughs> like like I, I remember him I remember him playing I remember that he was good but I don't think that highly of him yeah uh, the last name there is last names are Andre Ethier and Houston Street out of every name of the first timers I think uh, <laughs> Beltran and K Rod are the only two that are close. I don't oh think any of the rest God. of them are even close. That is that is an abysmal list. I know oh it's pretty my, tough. Oh my lord! It is. I mean, look, even even for somebody like who has has a soft spot for. I mean, I grew up in Chicago, White Sox fan, and all that. Like somebody has a soft spot for Mark Burley, and he's got got you know two no hitters in his mm-hmm. career. Like again, that's another like Hall of really really good player. I just feel like the White the, Sox the, Hall of Fame. Yeah, sure. Why not? Or, uh, but, Toronto too, right? He played for the Blue Jays. Yeah, too. but just the, the whole list mm-hmm. is really uninspiring. Yeah, man. it's a tough one. There's Next year is going to be really good. Next year, Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer. Let's, Let's go. Jose Bautista. Yes, just naming a few. Okay, I'm putting Jose Bautista in. I don't care. Let's do it. Is Mauer a Hall of Famer? No, that'll be his first year of eligibility next year. Yeah, hmm. see. Ma- again, Mauer-, Mauer was supposed to be the greatest thing in the world, and you know he, he was, was good re- hitter. He's another one, really, really good for a long. Hall of time. Minnesota fame, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> they made statues. Of him really, <laughs> really good for a long time. Such a good hitter, reliable behind the plate, and they switched him over to first base later in his career. Yeah, but Hall of Famer, no. Adrian Beltre, let's go. I don't got to think about that. Uh, Bartolo Colon will be yes, on the ballot the for the big first time next year. If Bartolo Colon doesn't get in the first ballot, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, better be. I'm gonna storm Cooperstown like it's January sixth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put Colon in. Oh, we got real. Put him in. We're getting we're getting real. Yeah, no, that big I'm, flag walking through the Hall of Fame I'll, with, I'll, Colon, I'll, with Colon's face. I'll it. write his name in twice. I'll be illegal. <laughs> there you go. All right, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. It's Christian Arcan, uh, Kyrie Thompson. We got uh, some basketball to talk about because. Brian Scalabrini is going to join us next. He called that game last night, Celtics over the Houston Rockets. We'll get his take on what's going on with the Seas, the uh, MVP race, and everything else that's coming up next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.